0: going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Another edition of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I'm Dan Malin, and I'm joined by the FSWA two-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. We are previewing the Circuit of the Americas, just the second road course on NASCAR's schedule this week, or this season. Not this week. Uh, but, Matt, how are you doing?
1: Not doing too bad. Um, it's a pretty exciting week. This is a track I've wanted on the NASCAR schedule for quite a long time. Um you know, it's referred to as Coda. You know, also stand, you know, circuit of the Americas. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with it, it is a three point four one mile uh well in this configuration at least. It is a three point four one mile twenty turn um road course that was purpose built to bring an F one Grand Prix to the US and that's what it's done since uh, about 2017, 2016, I think, uh, is when the F1 when F one started racing there. Um, so the designers basically took every one of their favorite turns from an F1 tracks and put them all together and connected them uh, into this monstrous track with some serious elevation changes.
0: Um, Isn't, like, the front straightaway just 139 feet straight up? Not straight uh, up.
1: But... Yeah, the... Turn 1, which is essentially a blind hairpin corner, is 135 feet above the start-finish line. Um, So that should be fun. Anybody that watched the uh, Pro Invitational, I think, on Wednesday night, there was massive chaos in Turn 1. Granted, that's iRacing, but uh, Mm. it should be very, very interesting to figure out how people are going to make it through that corner. Um, you can kind of get a feel for it when you read the track breakdown. That's up now. We're recording this late on a Thursday evening. Um, I included a track map so everybody can see what we're talking about. It's got some some pretty interesting numbers there. i not sure how accurate the miles per hour are that are on it, um, but it has all of the turns labeled, and it kind of gives you the elevation of the track and where the uh, – let's say, heavy braking zones are, um, that back stretch is going to be insane because there's a really, really long straightaway between turns 11 and 12, and turn 12 is a... It'd be like if you pull up to an intersection and make an actual 90-degree left turn. That's what turn 12 is, except it follows a straightaway where they get up to 180 miles an hour. Um, so that'll be fun to watch people try to navigate that uh, turn. There's also a video, um, of Kyle Busch doing some hot laps in a stock Toyota Camry, um, kind of giving you analysis of, you know, what he thinks about the track, where he thinks passing zones are going to be, um, and whatnot. And then there's an embedded, uh, track breakdown there, um, that you can, uh, view. So yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be a fun, fun track. Nobody's Nobody from NASCAR has been on it except for test sessions. Um, there's also rain in the forecast, so yay. We get rain tires <laughs> on a track that nobody's ever been on. Um, but we do get practice, and we do get qualifying. So I guess there's pros and cons, right?
0: Yeah, I think we can touch on like the scheduling a little bit. But I figure like, the big news that we would touch on first would be Brad Kislowski potentially going to Roush Fenway as a driver and a potential minority owner going forward.
1: Correction. It would be Roush Fenway Kieslowski Kieslowski, RFK, Yeah. according it'd be like RFK, I guess, uh, but not associated with a Kennedy. Um, yeah, that news broke. Uh, that was an utter bombshell to paraphrase somebody on Twitter. Cause Jim utter actually broke the news. um, but yeah, nobody's really commenting on it, but Bob Bakris said from the sources he's got, which are pretty good sources, it's basically an all-but-done deal that Keselowski is going to, um, Roush Fenway next year. Um, so this opens up some very interesting possibilities here, uh, in terms of driver movement, right? We all kind of expected this silly season not to be quite as, um... You know, full bore as last year because like three quarters of the uh, Cup Series were free agents at the end of the year last year. <laughs> and this year, not so many. Um, but yeah, if moves to Roush Fenway slash now Roush Fenway Kislaski racing, he likely takes the six car because uh, I don't think they're letting Busher go. He's also not a free agent. Ryan Newman is a free agent at the end of the year. Um, he's given no indication whether. He would retire, but you kind of have to assume with the age of his kids and going through the Daytona wreck last year, and it's kind of been a while since he's actually competed, um, that he may just decide to hang it up at this point. Um, I do not see Roush Fenway going to a third car. I don't think they have a third charter to begin with. Um, So if they don't have a third charter, they'd have to acquire one, which then becomes... Expensive, and then might defeat the purpose of this whole maneuver. Um, but the interesting part of this really comes in for Penske, because we've known now since last off-season that Austin Cindric was coming up to the Cup Series. Right, they've basically announced that that Sindrick is coming up. He will be a full-time driver in the Cup Series in 2022. The only question became what ride was he going to have? Was he going to get the 21 car and kick the Benedetto out of it, and the Benedetto move to another team, or were there going to be some, you know, was Brakislaski going to move somewhere and Sindric get the two car, and then the Benedetto stays in the 21? I think that's probably the more likely scenario. I think Sindric gets the two car. Um, I think De Benedetto's personality fits better with the Wood Brothers. I think it fits better as a satellite team, um, essentially, of Penske's. And with Austin Cindric's dad being president of raising operations for Penske, I don't see them putting Austin Cindric in a satellite team, only to then bring him back to the two-car... Like, who are they going to fill no, the two-car with?
0: Right. No, he I know, like give De Benedetto, the two car, right? No, they they shouldn't give De Benedetto the two car. No. He hasn't really done anything to warrant getting a car that good.
1: Right. He's been good in the twenty one. It's yeah. been getting better. It's a competitive team as a satellite. That's all you really need from him, right? Sindrick should be given every chance he can have in the two car. He's the whole reason you make this move is to get rid of a thirty seven year old Brad Keselowski for a twenty something year old arc jerk.
0: Yeah. Right? And now no, like, I agree. I don't see De Benedetto going the, to the two. And I know there were people on Twitter that were saying, well, they've already announced that he's not going to be in the 21. But at the same time, like, you know, Penske has control over all these cards. They can easily change their mind and just give De Benedetto the 21 again next year. I don't think he would say no.
1: No, he's not going to say no. He wants to stay yeah. with the He likes the players. team. He likes the team. He likes the <clears> family. <throat> Um, personality-wise, they they match really, really well. They're both blue-collar uh, personality types, um, just bulldogs trying to make it a sport, you know. Um, I don't see any reason why De Benedetto should lose that right at this point. Because there's no... I mean, who are you going to take over De Benedetto at this point? Newman? No. I don't think so, right? They're essentially the... I would say... De Benedetto has outdriven Newman the last two years, and De Benedetto's younger by a ways. And there's n- not really any other. I mean, the only other possibility would be do you kick out De Benedetto and then try to steal Noah Gregson from Chevy and bring him to Ford?
0: I would say no. Just based on um, how unliked Gregson is at the Xfinity level, I would agree. And <laughs> there's,
1: a maturity, there's a maturity there that's not there. With yeah, Max,
0: yeah. I mean, there's maturity issues at the Xfinity level. There's obviously going to be maturity issues at the Cup level. And I like Gregson. I like guys that are kind of. I like villains. Villains are great for sports, mm-hmm. and he's the he's the villain of. Xfinity, I don't know if you give up a fan favorite like Matt Benedetto. who you're right. The car is actually getting better as the season has progressed. Um, I, I don't think they would take a chance on Graxon in the 21. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the only possibility, right? Because the rumor is that if Junior gets a cup team going, that the solo car that they would likely start with because they're going to have to get one charter. I don't see them getting more than one charter to start. Right, They get one charter. The guy you're bringing up to the Cup Series is Justin Allgaier. Yep. Because he's had Cup experience. You give the veteran guy the shot to you know, start building that team and actually <clears throat> test the car and actually keep it on the track and take care of the equipment. And sponsors love Justin Allgaier. So that would be the guy you would move up from JRM to a potential junior motorsports cup team. So aside from that, I don't know that anybody else makes the jump from Xfinity aside from Austin Sindrick.
0: Yeah, I probably have to agree with you. I mean, especially if 23XI somehow gets another charter next year, which they are in – that's in the rumor mill as well. You almost think, like, they just bring back John Hunter and Yeah,
1: or a guy like Ty Dillon gets a full-time
0: right. Yeah, that's on the table too, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would
1: probably go John Hunter, or you could go Daniel Hemrick, try to get Daniel Hemrick out of,
0: (sighs) you know. No, I know what you mean. And he's looked good at Xfinity in the JGR equipment. Um, and he's already, he still...
1: Toyota, he's already in the Toyota, no, the TRD pipeline, right? right. So at this,
0: point, pipeline.
1: at this point, if Brad Keselowski leaves Penske and goes to Roush Fenway, then I believe the Matt Benedetto's ride is safe next year.
0: Good for him. He deserves it. All right. You want to start breaking down the schedule for this week? It's a wild one.
1: It is a wild one, and you're going to have to bear with Dan and I because there's going to be some interesting uh,
0: stuff for content (laughs) this week. Well, I will have uh, at least one. I'll probably have Truck Playbook out on Friday night because they're doing truck practice. Truck and Xfinity get one session of practice on Friday. Then they both have qualifying before the races on Saturday. I'll have the playbooks. uh, I'll have Truck Playbook up Friday night. Uh, Xfinity playbook up on Saturday morning. I'm probably not going to add too many updates to the playbook aside from starting spots. Um, If you want, if there are players that are just not in the playbook, I don't know if I'm going to have the time just to do a deep dive and add them because I'm also just going to be in the chat answering questions as well. So I would say after we get qualifying and you have questions, definitely join me in the chat. I'm in there from noon to 8pm Eastern on Saturdays. So I'll be available to help with questions for both races.
1: Yeah. And then for the cup side of things, there's one practice on Saturday morning. It's 9.05 a.m. Central Time for myself, Um, 10.05 a.m. Eastern. So they get the one practice, lasts about 50 minutes to an hour, uh, And then the cup guys, we don't see them on track again until qualifying on Sunday morning, which I believe is about 11 o'clock a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, And the race goes green at 2.30 Eastern on Sunday afternoon. So there's about a a three-and-a-half-hour gap between when uh, qualifying starts uh, and the race goes green now qualifying this week and i have to double check if this is the same for xfinity and truck but for cup series the first round is 25 minutes long and drivers can make as many laps as they want to it's their fastest lap that counts in that 25 minutes <clears throat> the top 12 after that 25 minutes then go on to the second session which is 10 minutes again they can make as many laps as they want to their fastest lap counts and that 10-minute session locks in the top 12 so whoever's 13th after 25 the 25-minute 25 session is starting 13th and okay. then 13th on back gets locked in top 12 guys just because they're 12th after the 25-minute session doesn't mean they're starting 12th if they run the sixth fastest time in the 10-minute session they're starting sixth right so here's where the trick becomes with that if they're doing it the same way for truck and xfinity and again i have to double check with this Remember the truck and Xfinity series have to start the race on the tires that they qualify on. So how many laps are they going to run in a multi-lap qualifying session possibility? If you then have to turn around and start the race on those tires, right? Because apparently tire wear here is, is expected to be pretty high. Um, just from the sheer number of turns, the braking force the g-forces that they're pulling um the acceleration and deceleration and then also according to uh several of the drivers the three that tested here in march and a couple other guys that have done um other you know runs at the track kyle bush being one of them they've noticed that the straightaways and the less severe turns um are rougher and the sharper um you know and and you know more tighter turns have been repaved more recently so they're a little smoother but it's supposed to be a tire wear uh, track the cup guys can change tires between qualifying and the start of the race so if you burn a set of tires in qualifying they can start with brand new slicks for the start of the race so that'll be some interesting strategy to see what happens there
0: interesting all right so let's just preview a little bit of the races and strategy uh for the truck series race it is going to be saturday 1 p.m eastern time we're only getting 41 laps so that means we have less than 30 dominator points basically the theme this weekend is that dominator points don't matter we're coming off a few races where we had hundreds of laps, plenty of Dominator points to go around. Hell yeah, I mean, Carl late.
1: Larson led, what, 250-something last week?
0: Something like that. And then next week, we get 400 laps with uh, Charlotte. So, uh, right now, Dominator points are not as abundant for road courses as typically typically the case. We have 41 laps uh, for the Truck Series race. For the Xfinity Series race, I think it's 46 and then what we said, the Cup Series race was sixty-eight. It's sixty-eight laps. Yeah. Um, um. So if you take that and you just kind of, what do we determine? Forty. There's less than 50, points for Cup. Yeah,
1: there's like forty-eight points, and that's assuming, uh, you know, you know that that's going to be the max, which can't be gotten because, like Dan and I were talking about before the podcast, they don't give fastest laps for caution laps. Yeah. Um, which for some reason, just occurred to me right before the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just something I've never, I don't really ever think about counting fastest laps because it's not something I bank on yeah. because they can be so random. Um, But yeah, I mean, even laps led, if you read the track breakdown, you'll see that only once in the last uh, five road races, which have happened on Rovals, have we had a driver lead 50 or more laps
0: right it was Chase and, Elliott one time right
1: yeah i think so um and then three times in the last five road races one you know you've had one driver lead 20 or more laps and everybody else is led less than that so we're going for finish position and position differential in all three series this week
0: that's yeah.
1: that's what you're locking in on
0: Truck series has less than 30, 30 dominator points. Um, so for some of these guys that are priced over 10 grand, they will need to finish well, and they'll probably need to get you some dominator points as well. Um, obviously we'd prefer to see guys like John Hunter Nemechek, Sheldon Creed, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton. You want them to all come with some position differential so they can possibly hit value easier, but at the same time, don't, consider value as in terms right. of 5x uh for a road course strictly because of the lack of laps at these tracks.
1: yeah we've um, got i was just gonna point that out that that talking value at a road course is almost it doesn't matter
0: yeah because
1: nobody ever gets to 5x unless you leave like we were talking about this at the drc with chase elliott right um With the amount of laps that there were and where he was priced, he was literally going to have to lead every lap and win win. from the pole. And then I think he would still come up just short. So, you know, just just, these guys are priced up because they do really well at road courses. Um, Don't pay attention to to values this week because the 5X doesn't hold um, like it typically does.
0: The truck series is going to be pretty hard to gauge because they only run – normally they only run one road course every year up in Canada. Right. Um, so tire.
1: Canadian tire motorsports park.
0: Yeah. But this year they did run – be, uh, I believe they ran.
1: They ran
0: the DRC. They ran the DRC, Yeah. So we have a little bit to go off of, but I mean, DRC and Circuit of the Americas are two completely different yes. uh, styles of track uh, since DRC is a super speedway road course hybrid and uh, Coda is strictly just a road course. So for me, I'm really not going to know who I'm playing until I get the qualifying or the starting order. Um, but at least for Xfinity Series, we get more road courses out of them. Uh, it's also a Kyle Busch race, but I mean... They have plenty of road ringers at the Xfinity level. Uh, Centric's a good road racer. Almondinger is a fantastic road course driver. Uh, He's Boris said is coming out of race. what's that?
1: He's also in the Cup race.
0: He is in the Cup race. Uh, Boris said is a road course. specialist. I saw specialist. that.
1: Guy's He's only sixty five hundred. <laughs> Guy's coming out of retirement to go run Coda. It's phenomenal.
0: Um, so there are options. Uh, some some really nice options. I mean, Brandon Brown is priced down at sixty two hundred and. You know, he came in, he pulled the top 10 at Daytona uh, not too long ago. Um, again, for Xfinity, and, and I think the theme this week is that, you know, we, we haven't really liked getting the starting order uh, on Wednesday, um, but it, it just feels so hard to kind of preview a race where we don't know the starting order yet, which was what we did two years ago, and it just seems like, so long ago that we uh I almost forgot how to do this without you know, now that we have qualifying I almost don't know how to break down the race. Like my brain is broken.
1: Right. Like on Wednesday morning <laughs> I was searching Twitter for the starting order tweets and I'm like, Where the oh right, we have qualifying this week. I don't <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. Um you're gonna want to pay attention to practice, right? That's gonna give you the first look at how these guys are um on track, what they think of their cars. Um, you know, who's kind of figuring it out, who's not, one guy who's definitely never going to figure it out in the cup race is, uh, Bubba Wallace. Uh, he He doesn't like it. He he doesn't like it when he has to turn right. Um, (laughs) doesn't matter if DraftKings just announced that they're sponsoring him. They're, they're, they've come on board with 23XI. It does not matter. The guy does not like to turn right. Um, so yeah, we're going to want to watch practice this week. Um, For those of you who are new here, uh, I used to do practice reports uh, back in 2019 when we actually had practice, Um, but then when practice went away in 2020, obviously those went away and I will be making mention of them in my playbook for the Cup Series. Um, I'm not going to put out a a full article about it because there's only like six other races we're going to get practice for, so it's not worth putting out uh article sporadically but i will make mention of it um you'll want to watch it either live or find a recap of it somewhere um just to see how guys looked um on track
0: it's still pretty exciting because i remember years ago when we would do this uh it, qualifying and practice and expending truck series like it kind of became like an all-day event for me it's in a little bit with the Cup Series too, and and for the past year, it's just been you know show up and race, and yeah, that's kind of that's been fun. But it's nice to get qualifying and uh, practice as well. Do you want to just talk about a few drivers that everyone? There, there are two notable Cup Series mm-hmm. road course drivers. Uh, to no surprise, they are the most expensive. It's Martin Truex Jr. at ten thousand six hundred, and Chase Elliott at ten thousand five hundred. Um, yeah. Needless to say, you can play them comfortably. They're the two best road ringers in the Cup Series.
1: Yeah, uh, in the last five road races, Chase Elliott's won four of them. So, you know. And by the way, Truex didn't win the other one. You had to go back to the last six road races to get to the last Truex road win. Didn't Blaney win one? Uh, no, Christopher Bell won the other one. Cause Bell I'll try
0: Daytona road course just three yep. months ago.
1: And uh, for some bizarre reason, Christopher Bell is 8300 bucks on DK uh, for the Cup Series. By the way, if you want to bet him now for long shots, he was going off at 20-1 to 1 earlier today still. Uh, so I would take those just as a shot. I mean, the guy already won a Cup Series race on a road course. Granted, it was Daytona road course, but second Cup start. Um, so... <laughs> And he's in JGR equipment, which you know has been pretty good on road courses between Truex and Hamlin and Kyle Busch. Um, so yeah, Chase Elliott is. I'm frankly shocked to see Truex ahead of Chase Elliott on DK. Um, yes, there's only a hundred dollar difference, but I'm kind of surprised um, to see that the the Truex is ahead of him. Chase Elliott's more expensive by 500 bucks on Bandle, uh at 14.5. Not shocking. He's going to be the favorite play. Everybody likes to play Chase Elliott on <clears throat> road courses. Everybody who's been clamoring for Chase Elliott breakout has been waiting for one of these races because this is probably, at this point, one of his best opportunities to get a win this year is going to come at a road course.
0: Right. Um. I don't even know who else to talk about.
1: I mean, Kevin Harvick's been solid at road courses. Yeah,
0: that's true, just based solid. on the table you sent.
1: Uh, Alex Bowman. Bowman's been pretty good at moving up at road courses. Hasn't base... Byron
0: been pretty – Byron, like, I, yes. I hate
1: to – yeah. Yeah, Byron has also been good. He's been getting trained, um, you know, by, among other people, Boris said has been helping to coach him. Um, he's got three top tens in the last five road races. So that's pretty impressive from William Byron. Um, Alex Bowman's got a 9.2 average finish in the last five road races. And he's done that by moving up more than eight spots a race. Um, you know, if we're talking about how you want to build, I think you can get away with. Now this is all going to depend on where these guys are starting. Obviously, we don't know where they're starting, and we won't know until um, Sunday morning, right? But I think it's it's entirely possible that you could get away with a completely mid-tier build on DK. You've got Alex Bowman at eighty nine hundred. You've got yep. Austin Sindrick at eighty seven hundred. Almondinger's eighty five hundred. Christopher Bell is eighty three hundred. Kurt Busch is pretty good at road racing. He's eighty one hundred. De Benedetto is a pretty good road racer, he's seventy nine hundred bucks. Blaney, pretty good road racer, ninety one hundred bucks. Right? Like depending on where those guys are starting, you can make some serious hay in the mid in, in, in the mid tier.
0: Man, I feel like I'm going back to Chase Briscoe this week too, but again, like it all comes down to where they start as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're dipping that low, I'd rather take a shot on uh, Suarez or Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon's a pretty dang good road racer in his own right. Um, I'd go with James Davison if we're really dipping low in the Cup Series this week, and we should. He could
0: this. be really chalky though, but again, he could
1: be. Um, a couple reasons. One, if anybody translates iRacing to actual racing, James Davison won the iRacing race by like 11 seconds or something on Wednesday night. Um, but it's more so his track history, right? He's Australian. He comes from open wheel racing. He turned down a shot, uh, of doing IndyCar this year to stay in NASCAR. And he really likes the open wheel, uh, you know tracks road courses guy does pretty well there
0: didn't he, um, he did you mention that he won the I race? yes yeah,
1: okay like,
0: sorry I, I wasn't ignoring you it was just i was trying to like find something on twitter about him
1: yeah uh he won it by like 11 seconds I yeah
0: guess. i heard he dominated it and i also heard like i know it's a he's in uh rick Ware car right yes yeah i remember hearing something seeing something on twitter earlier and i'm trying to find it right now but it's like uh, the sponsor for Davison this week has said that they're going to put more money into the car because they don't want it... Because they actually want it to be a little competitive this week. Yeah. Uh, well, <sighs> but again, it's...
1: because it's an open-wheel <clears throat> driver at Coda, right? Right. Like, this is kind of what you sign up for. Uh, Kyle Tilly is um, a road ringer for BJ McLeod in the 78. Um, he's got some open-wheel experience. Generally, that's not a great car, but... It, you know, it's a road ringer. So there are some some cheaper dudes um, that, that we can look at. Michael McDowell's back in the picture this week. He's a pretty good road racer. Um, so, yeah, they're sprinkled all around. It's not one of those races where you've got to load up on the top guys. Um, and um, I was asked an interesting question earlier today um, between the two Kyles. Which one would I favor, Kyle Bush or Kyle Larson?
0: I think I'd go Bush.
1: It is an interesting it is an interesting question because if you go based on who's been hotter recently, it's clearly Kyle Larson. But if you go based off of who's shown most upside in road races, Larson's been okay. Right, his average finish is 17th. He goes backwards about 10 spots a race in the last five. Well, he's run three of them, but in the last, you know, five chances he's gone backwards 10 times, or you know, 10 spots a race. In the last eight road races he's run, his average finish is 16th. Gone backwards almost 12 spots a race. Kyle Busch, recently not so great because he crashes. Right, he's. He's crashed late. Watkins clan, he got into the thing with Bubba Wallace, right, where they spun out. He gets into the the Roval. He's quit, what, twice at the <laughs> Roval? Um, So that's been – but if you look at his running position, his average running position is 15th. So the average finish isn't showing you what he's actually doing. And if you look at the last 10 road races, Kyle Busch has four top 10s, an average finish inside the top 20. So I would probably save a little bit of money and go with Kyle Busch, who's going to be a little lower played, I think, because everybody loves the Kyle Larson hype train right now.
0: Yeah, I was taking your advice from the uh, the mid-range build that you uh, recommended, and you can do Byron, Bell, Kurt, Suarez, Bowman, and Dinger on DraftKings and still have $400 left over.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> – and if part of them are starting in the top 12 and part of them are starting, like, 25th <laughs> or worse – that's out yeah. of the
0: lineup. Right. Um, I don't know. Did you ever, did you want to discuss anything else before we sign off? I know it's, I know we didn't preview a ton of drivers. It's just, it's really hard to do a, and a track that they've never run before and B without any form of a starting lineup at the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll hit on a couple of things. One, congratulations to Hendrick on a historic one, two, three, four finish at Dover. Um, I didn't get to watch the race. Um, I was, you know, I had a uh, an event I was at, so I didn't get to watch the race. I was checking my lineups. I did okay. I mean, I I basically made my money back. I didn't play very heavily because I didn't really want to go back and forth on tinkering a bunch of lineups and. I did terrible. Whatnot. Uh Congrats to Big Day. He had a big day, good day. Big day. Big day. Day had a big day. Um, so yeah, from what I could tell, it was a pretty decent. Uh, Dover race um, also props to Alex Bowman for doing the uh, Jimmy Johnson celebration from his 2017 Dover win when he parked it in front of his guys on the inside wall and the, the burnout there. That was pretty cool to see. Um, and then, you know, we did all this talk about how we don't know where guys are starting and that's true. So what, what I would recommend you do for playing DFS this weekend Is you reserve the contests you want to play in, reserve them now, and you can reserve on both sites without putting in any lineups. So you don't have to go back and try to remember what you have to change and whatever. Just reserve without lineups, and then you can start building after practice. Uh, You know, clearly start building when the, the playbooks come out. And then if you really just want to wait till qualifying, wait till Sunday morning for cup or Saturday morning for Xfinity and truck and build then. And you have your lineups uh, already built. I will say this is a track that can have pure chaos happen, especially with turn one. Um, That turn is going to be diabolical. Yeah. Especially if there's rain in the forecast, Um, that turns going to be diabolical. There's no turn like it anywhere on the NASCAR schedule anywhere. No matter what road course we look at, no matter what, there's there's really no turn like it anywhere else in the world, frankly. Um, so, And it looks really inviting because it's really wide to, to start, and then it narrows really, really quickly. Um, there's going to be some good passing opportunities here, and it's just going to be chaotic. Um, there's also probably not going to be a lot of cautions, which is weird considering the fact they just said it's going to be chaotic. Because on road courses, you get a lot of single car spins. They don't. They won't throw cautions for that unless the guy gets stuck um, and needs a tow or something. Then they'll throw a caution. Um, so if you're not comfortable with it, you know, play lighter this week. I know I've heard from several of you already uh, saying they're playing lighter because you know, it's a track we don't know. It's you know you can talk all we want about how good guys are at road courses we saw chaos happen at the Roval the first time they went there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we could be in store for that. Also, by the way, make note of who does well and what tire strategies work here, because these tires will be being used at Indy road later this summer. They'll be used at mid Ohio um, for who runs mid Ohio Xfinity. Um, and I think they might be being used at road America later this summer too so you know tires do matter and they they will be using these elsewhere on the schedule all
0: right well matt uh we'll be in the chat rooms um this weekend we will be providing the usual content uh apologies for not a more in-depth but we will just know more when we get practice and qualifying so yeah
1: rankings rankings will be out friday for me um Projections, probably not until we see cars on track some point Saturday. Um, playbook will be out Saturday. Core plays probably Sunday after qualifying. Because um, if I put them out before qualifying, I'll have to go back and change all of them. <laughs> That's just going to be a pain in the ass. Um And then, you know, I probably won't update the playbook that much either, unless there's a huge surprise in qualifying, like a guy gets a poll we don't expect um, that changes things or something. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of the basic content schedule. Um, And yeah. And by the way, always make sure you read through all of the best bets because I had Alex Bowman winning at Dover the middling odds section last week at, like, plus 2,000 or, or yeah. was like, plus
0: 1,800 for a lot of sites. Plus
1: 1,800 at a lot of sites. You could get him earlier in the week at plus 2,000, and he won. So um, not just the favorites, not just the cover guys. Make sure you're reading the whole thing because there's been hits from the middling odds and long shots basically all season.
0: All right. Good stuff. Matt, thank you so much for your time. As always, best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation.
1: Best of luck, FA Nation.